Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. My name is Sergio, your host, and you can catch us each and every week on your favorite podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, you name it. We are here as well as Island TV, and we're coming to you live from their studio home at FIU in the College of Communications, Architecture, and the Arts. Hey, guys, thank you so much for supporting the show, giving us a thumbs up, a subscribe, you know, hitting the like button. That means a lot to us. It helps us understand that our content is engaging and impacting you in a big way. And we're now a top 2% podcast globally via listen note. So thank you so much for everything you do. And my guest today is my man, Raymond Adderley, and he's a student leader, community activist, and he's a candidate for Broward County School Board. He's 18 years old, all right? He's 18 years old, my man. So you're an inspiration. You're definitely a game changer. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I was watching that video. Was that Judge Judy on? <laughs> no, no, but that was close. There, there's been a lot of game changers here and um you know people have done something extraordinary and being 18 years old so you know before we get into how and why you're running for school board at, at such a young age let's take take me back a little bit about your history kind of talk talk to me about kind of where you're from what your upbringing was like and then we'll get into you know how you got engaged with this kind of work sure so thank you so much sergio for having me on and game changers what's going on out there i'm <laughs> um, everybody that might be watching or might hear this later it is such an honor to be on this platform uh this afternoon um and yes my name is raymond adderley i'm the youngest candidate afro latino afro-caribbean male uh to ever run for Broward county school board seat eight and if elected in August, and not if, when elected in August, um, I will be the first black male to serve on the school board of Burnt County in 15 years. Wow. I think that, yeah, wow. I think that is shocking. I think that's <laughs> alarming, especially for a district that is as diverse as Burnt County. Uh, but more importantly, a little bit about me and my background. Uh, when I was six years old, my father was shot in front of me and my two younger brothers and my family in Miramar, uh, in our home. Wow. Um, so, uh, it was a armed home invasion. Um, and I remember sitting there when, when, the, when the attack began and I began screaming. I was a first grader. I had just learned about stranger danger that day and I was screaming. Um, and the gentleman turned to me and he said, you know what, if you don't shut that kid up right now, I'm going to shoot him. And my mother reached over my mouth from all the way on the other side, passing my two brothers and covered my mouth. Um, and it was that point in my life that I knew what it was like to be voiceless um, and have no one to speak for me or have no one to understand me. And so my rise to fame. Uh, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. We, we, we got we to gotta stop there a minute. So you're six years old. You're at home. Was this at night? It was at night. We were coming home from a, a Christmas show. And as we pulled up to our house, uh, there was a black car on the side of the house. We, you know, we didn't think much of it. People would park on the side of people's homes all the time, um, especially when you live on the corner house. Um, so it was, well, it was, it was a cul-de-sac. I and mean, when you live on the corner houses, people park, you know, by the fences and on the gates all the time. 
Um, so we didn't think much of it. Uh, we just thought maybe there was a visitor, someone going to fish. You know, there's a party down the street and uh, someone needed parking. And so as we got out of the car as uh, when the assault began. Oh, my God. So you were just coming into your house and somebody followed you into your house to 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 rob you guys. Yeah. And so you're six and you have a, a brother and a sister. Or? I have two brothers. Two brothers. Wow. And so you're all in there, obviously afraid and shocked as, as a six year old, you know, would be. And and this guy comes in and tells your dad to, to shut you up. And then and and then what happened from there? So uh, there were three gentlemen that came into the house. Two went into my parents' bedroom to steal, and one held my father at gunpoint. My my father had a licensed uh, gun uh, that he had that was a concealed weapon. He had a license for that. And as he reached for the weapon, a gentleman rushed over to him, kicked him, threw him on the floor from the couch, and shot him three times. That's that's horrible to have experienced something like that. And that was happening all in front of you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, I mean, that's such a traumatic experience. I can't even begin to imagine what you've, what you've gone through. Um, what was it like then, you know, how how did you recover from that? As a young kid, I I never really understood what, what happened that night. Um, I remember going to the police, um, office that same night to give my original testimonies, um, me and my two younger brothers. Um, I remember the funeral, um, and the whole entire time I was under the presses, the, I was under the, the presumption, rather, that my father was sleeping because uh, people told me, oh, he's sleeping. He's getting rest. Um, oh, and so wow. as a six-year-old, I, I didn't know what death meant. I had experienced it before. You know, it wasn't a conversation that people were casually talking about in the first grade. Um, and so it, it was, you know, very difficult uh, to get through um, once you come to the realization of what death actually is, meaning you'll never see this person again. Um, and so when it, ta- when it started to kick in, I would, I would have uh, angry outbursts. Um, but more importantly, I think what, what kept me going was, was one, my belief in God. And I, I you know, it grew my faith uh, very strongly yeah. uh, as a Christian. And then two, I began to divulge in so many extracurriculars. So everything from uh, drama and theater all the way to music, playing the trumpet and singing. Um, you know, and I started doing sports. I Well, I stopped playing football. That was my dad's sport for me. And I picked up track. I started doing swimming. I started playing tennis. Um, I started fishing. Um, and those were things that I used to cope uh, with, with, you know, with recovering from my trauma. But more importantly, I think what urges me to get out and fight every day um, is the urge to advocate for others and do the best thing that we can do in our communities. Um, and as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old, as an eight-year-old, as a nine-year-old, I continued to do that. I became I was a, a kindergartner. I was the first kindergartner ever at my school to join K-Kids, and it was only open to first graders. Uh, by the second grade, I was the assistant secretary of the club. By the third grade, I was the secretary. By the fourth grade, I was the president. Um, and in fifth grade, I was vice president of, of K-Kids. Um, and so and K kids is what, like a, Kiwanis like a mini. So it's, um, so, you know, are you familiar with Kiwanis International? Oh, the Kiwanis. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have different branches. So when you're in elementary school, you do okay, K kids. When it. you're in uh, middle school, you do builders club. When you're in um, high school, you do key club. When you're in college, you do circle K. Right. Um, and so there's, there's different levels to Kiwanis building up to becoming an actual adult Kiwanian. Um, mm. And so, you know, those were the things that I did uh, to deal with those things. But then I remembered and, and I started, you know, I remember 
as I'm older now, I remember those things actually made me so passionate. Um, and I remember fighting and, and people would call me stubborn all the time because I never wanted a project to go by me that I'd have to approve and, and sell for that wasn't doing the most good for people. Um, and so I remember always being a strong fighter, being very stubborn into my ideals. If you talk to any of my class officers that I had the, the privilege of serving with in high school, they'll tell you, oh, he was the worst. He was so stubborn, but <laughs> we always loved him because we always knew that his heart was in the right place. Um, and so, so let me ask you this. I mean, you, you could have gone a very different direction, right? Because right. you 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 know you you were you kept busy by doing all these extracurricular activities you could have gone you know very quickly sideways right how did you stay on the track was it your mom your 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 brothers i would say it, it was more so my grandma she was you know my mom's a single parent my mom's a teacher um and so on the weekends my mom would have to go and, and work more jobs to get more money um which by the way no teacher should have to do um and that's one right. of the reasons why i'm running for school board but uh, more importantly, um, I would say that it, it was difficult, but my grandma kept me on the line. Uh, she kept me in church as a young kid. Um, she made sure that whatever I needed, it was done. And, and in many ways, my mom did as well, but my aunt came behind whatever my grandma couldn't do, whatever my mom couldn't do. And so there was always a really big safety net of protection and both uh, encouragement to keep on going and, and fighting for my dreams. That That's powerful because you really do need a village to, to, you know, to raise a child. And especially in that kind of situation, that's got to be incredibly difficult. So you start getting involved in all these, all these uh, uh, organizations and sports and everything else like that. You see that you're, you're able to make an impact what you started saying that you, that's where you you got your passion to to have you know be the voice right for other people how do you think that came about and what is it about that that makes make you know that's so important to you sure so two part answer to a two part question uh well first of all i think that where that came about was my brothers um when you know when we were young we had a lot of older cousins who we had to live with and you know communicate with and uncles and aunties that would, you know, pick on my family and, and my younger brothers. And I always had to step in the gap for them um, and be there for them. And sometimes they didn't appreciate it because, you know, they thought they were grown and they could handle their own battles, but they really couldn't because they had no way to do that. No one had taught them uh, how to do that because for some it comes naturally and for some it's an, it's a learned trait. Uh, to, to, to know how to be defensive and know how to advocate for yourself. And luckily, I, you know, uh, God has bestowed me with a great gift of being able to do just that, uh, to be able to go out and fight for myself and fight for other people. And so the passion began there, excuse me, when I had to fight for my brothers. And there's nothing that I'd rather do. Even today, I'll still go and fight for my brothers. Um, and not in a physical way, obviously, but a, but a, a verbal mm -hmm. one, that is. Um, I, I don't do fights. <laughs> I can't fight. I'm a short guy. I'm 5'6", man. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, you know, it's that is what inspired me to do it. But why was that so important to me? Because, you know, I would often ask myself, you know, Raymond, who's speaking for people like you that lost their father, that's going from house to house, that's not having the best quality of life at the moment? Who's speaking for people like you? 
And I realized that nobody really was. And more importantly, nobody really cared. Um, and so what did it, what that do to me? What it said, well, Raymond, if no one else is doing it, then why not you? And so that passion and, and why I do that is because I know that no one else will, if not me. And so I persist to continue to do that for every single person I come in contact with. So then you go off and, and you become student body president, right? Yeah. A couple of years running and in yeah. high school. And so you're there, you're, you're kind of fighting for what the students need. Then you graduate. And, and I was student body president in college and I was, I was a secretary in high school. So I, I kind of get a feel for that. Right. So when you move from, from high school, even into collegiate level, the politics takes a huge you know, toll on you. Right. And especially now you're going kind of past the college level into the school board. What makes you think mentally, you know, you're prepared for that because it could get quite dirty sometimes. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I think when you're talking to someone, Sergio, that witnessed their father die in front of them, be shot, there's nothing yeah. too tough for that person. True. Uh, that makes you so tough. It forced in the Caribbean, we say it force ripes you. As Caribbean people love our mangoes. And so when they come off the tree green, we put them in brown bags and we put them inside a dark cabinet and we call that force riping. Yeah. Um, and so that's what that did to me. That's what that experience did to me. Um, and so what mentally prepares me for, you know, this is South Florida politics. I was listening to Michael Putney not too long ago, and he described Florida, South Florida politics in particular as a contact game. It gets rough and it gets tough. Oh, yeah. And it has. But you know what, Michael? I mean, uh, not Michael, Sergio. Um, I, you know, what's most important is the fact that through all the attacks on my age, on my experience, I have sustained, and you know what's more important? Every single day, uh, this campaign gets a new vote. We get a different donation. Um, and so you know why? It's because our campaign is people-powered, it's people-moved, and it's people-focused. Um, and so all my other opponents who are playing this pay-to-play game, uh, they're raising money, spending money, uh, loaning themselves money to pay-to-play the game here in South Florida, buying support. That's all fine and dandy, but I reflect back to, to Michael Bloomberg or Philip Levine, who had all the money in the world and still could not achieve a victory. And so, yeah, it's tough. It's rough out there. But, you know, I've been in this campaign uh, since I was 16 years old in February of 2021. That's um, incredible. And now it's August 2022. I'm roughly about four days out from my election. And we are looking super good out there in the field. Um and, and more importantly, um, why do I think I'm ready? I'm ready because I know that our district is ready for change. And everybody in our district complains about how they're not being heard, how they're not seen, how their voices and the decisions that are made on the school board are not reflective of school life uh, and what's happening in schools. So you know what? As someone who just graduated school, as someone who served in the highest student role there could be as the student advisor to the school board for a year. Sometimes I had to go through 139 items a week that faced the school board and, and I had to sit through six to eight hour meetings on Tuesday. Um, but what's important is I feel strongly that there is no one and out of 21 candidates running for school board in Broward County across different districts, there is no one more uniquely poised more uniquely positioned to serve on a school board during this time than myself, because I get the experience. 
I know what it's like to have to be late to school because your bus was late because there's a bus shortage or a shortage of bus drivers. I know what it's like to have to sit through a code red drill or an actual code red because I live that. And how many people can tell you that they live through that? I am the only candidate, Sergio, out of 21 candidates running for school board in Barrett County that went to school during a global pandemic who is not a teacher. Um, and so if those experiences don't qualify me to serve on a school board, then I would argue that, you know, being a realtor doesn't qualify you either because <laughs> what actual expertise do you have to sit on a school board and vote for teachers and students and parents um, when you don't understand what's being faced? I love it, man. I love it. So <laughs> what do you think are, are, you know, what do you think are the the top couple or three issues you know, that, that the school board has to face and the schools are facing right now? Sure. And so on my campaign, we focus on four issues that are super important um, and that have had such a lack of response over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, number one, mental health is so important, uh, Sergio. Um, we have been suffering with immense mental health problems in our district for years. And uh, there's a school board member who I love very much. Her name is Nora Rupert. Um, and she said she was hosting mental health town halls prior to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in our district, which opened Pandora's box, by the way, on having mental health access. Uh, but what's more important is that after this global pandemic, we had students lose out at about a year and six months worth of social, social emotional learning. Um, and what SEL pretty much is, is it is the combined factor of learning about other people's identities by having conversations. Um, and so when students don't have that opportunity to do that, it crumbles them, especially at the elementary and high school level, when students are trying to figure themselves out. And so mental health access has to be equitable and accessible for all of our students in Broward County. And this district's response has been inadequate, not equitable, not accessible. You put on a five-minute video about mindfulness and called that your approach to mental health. I call that bullshit. Um, and so as a student who was sitting in those classrooms, having to take those mandated trainings, I will tell you how many kids was just doing this, Sergio. Can I go to the bathroom? No one is paying attention because the approach to mental health has to be one-on-one. -on -one. It has to be felt and it has to feel mm. genuine. And so what do I call for in Broward County? We have the infrastructure as far as our budget is concerned to increase the pay that we have for guidance counselors. My guidance counselor at Fort Lauderdale High School was a guidance counselor for four five years, five years at Fort Lauderdale. She became the guidance director in her second year, left Fort Lauderdale this year. And I remember my last conversation with her. She was so excited that I was running for school board. And she said, Raymond, in tears. Sergio, I love what I do and I love my job so much, but for me mentally, I do not make enough money to actually, uh, you know, to actually continue doing this job and also deal with the stresses it brings. So number one, making sure that we have enough money to pay guidance counselors and attract psychiatrists and sociologists that are coming out of college to attract them to our district increase the amount of guidance counselors, family therapists, school psychi uh, psychiatrists that we have in our schools today for our staff and our students has to be object number one. Number two, 
uh, in Broward County, we have a huge issue with infrastructure and facilities. We are the sixth largest school district in the nation. Uh, and, and it's time that our schools finally reflect that, especially when we are losing at an alarming rate in Broward County, students to charter and private schools. Over the pandemic, we lost 40,000 students, taking our number from 269,000 total enrolled to 266,000 total enrolled. Every time a student leaves our schools, that is money that is leaving our schools that our budget does not get, that is lacking from a public school classroom. And why is that? Because as a parent, if I went out today and saw some of the schools in the district versus some of the very elite private schools and charter schools that we have in Broward, if I was interested and invested in my child's education and wanted to give them the best possible school experience, secondary education, I would send them to one of those. And that's me speaking. And so that's mm -hmm. what I've been hearing from parents. And so it's incumbent upon us to make sure that number one, we're doing what charter and private schools are doing. They're meeting class size mandates, making it easy on teachers to identify problems and crises in academics that students are dealing with. That is what they're able to do because they have the infrastructure to support more classrooms and more teachers. It's about making sure our students from the inner city, inner city are coming to our schools where we're able to facilitate in a good way their extracurricular needs. So if that's state-of-the-art band rooms, is that state-of-the-art basketball courts or athletic tracks, those things have to be prioritized to get this district back on the line. Number three, it's about expanding trade and vocational programs in Burke County. We have four uh, technical technical colleges, two technical high schools in Broward. Some of them overlap, so two of them service both the high school and the college. But what's most important is our students are not getting trade certifications coming out of high schools. There are select high schools that give certain trade certifications um, and, and, and vocational trainings, but not enough to make sure that our students are both college and career ready, because not every student is gonna go to college. We have to make sure that the students that are not going to college to get a degree are going to the workforce and making money. And the way we do that is we prepare them for free in our schools. And that is so important. And lastly, like I said, the most relevant teacher in my life is my mother. She's a teacher. And it's finally time. We've been hearing this for years, by the way, uh, Sergio. It's time that we raise teacher salaries in a permanent way not a temporary slap you in the face stipend one time or a, a, a bullshit bonus that teachers might get one time and one time only. And so for our teachers, they need to have more pay. So teachers are not working two and three jobs just to, just to sustain, or teachers are not having to go out and get on welfare to sustain their families, because that is so crucial that our teachers are able to sustain and meet these new rising prices of inflation. And so I think those are four really big issues yeah. that our district is facing. And I have, an, I have a solution to all of them. All right, my friend, thanks for being on the show. And uh, by the way, where can, uh, where can the guys and, and, and girls reach out to you uh, if they have any questions or want to connect? Absolutely, you can go to RaymondAdderley.com I, I like to describe myself as the most accessible candidate you'll ever find. So my email is Raymond at RaymondTakesNotes.com. Awesome, my brother. 
All right, guys, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was awesome. And be sure to like and subscribe and share this with a friend who needs to hear it. You could be a game changer in their lives. See you next week. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable. So I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable, so I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives.